Hi, folks. Justin Rogers here uh, with Wojo and John Neo. We're going to recap the draft, uh, but I'm going to start with some breaking news. Guys, I don't know if you know, in 2010, the draft expanded to three days. Where were you guys yesterday? You left me alone. The, uh, you you were ahead. surrounded by many, many of your favorite friends, including... Pretty good draft picks by the Lions, right? How about that transition? <laughs> Woo! You know, Wojo and I, we we filmed our day two uh, video, I don't know, one in the morning, two in the morning, uh, they all blend together. And uh, we we jinxed it. And I say we, Wojo jinxed it and then bailed on me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, the Lions entered that day with, with two draft picks, should have been sitting pretty after about, 2 30 or so waiting you know maybe watching the replacements on tnt and uh nope nope they had to make a trade go back up get back to back picks which is kind of refreshing and nice get it knocked out and then the wait began all the way to the third to last pick for jamar jefferson at least you didn't get Mr. Irrelevant out of the deal. I, was... I don't. Is there any difference at that point? If I'm waiting third to last or Mr. Irrelevant, it's the same damn difference. We got Mr. Really Irrelevant, so that's okay. A running back, no less, you waited for from the Pac-12. Jeez, has Brad Holmes been on the West Coast lately? Interesting. It was it was no was notable, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if you guys did watch the draft yesterday, or you were just at a tiki party. I have no idea. You guys didn't call and invite me, but uh, we talked about two big needs coming into this draft: yeah. wide receiver, linebacker. They didn't address them in the first two days. They went big guy, big guy, big guy. You saw what they were building. Brad Holmes wasted very little time addressing both of those needs on on day three, uh, bringing in Amonra St. Brown. And finally, a very easy to pronounce name in Derek Barnes, although yeah. a little confusing with the Derek Brown from last year. Still, still working through that one with the brain. But uh, you know, two two players that I think people kind of you know, if you're creating a list of players still available at the end of that day, you know, fit what they were looking for. Uh, do you guys have any thoughts on on those two picks? Well, and that's what you do on day three is you you, right. go, you know fill some needs, but you also again, I think the the thing that I found noteworthy is they still went for athletic explosive in, in you know, some cases, but upside um, with potential. And that's, you know, this isn't a one year, two year deal here. This is a, a sort of a, a longer view rebuild that their approach that they're taking. And, and I think, but I think St. Brown is a guy that, yeah, I mean, he's not, it's going to play. Um, and Do you think they meant to draft his dad? <laughs> oh, just sticking with the big guy theme. It does, give you some, does certainly give you something to write about with uh, Mr. Universe, Mr. World there. But no, I, I mean, I like that St. Brown pick actually because, it, I, again, I think it's a guy that developmental piece, but also a guy I think that can play right away with some of the things that he brings to the table. You know, before we do the whole big wrap up of Brad Holmes, just looking at those final day picks. Um, it's amazing because I was watching the draft, <clears throat> excuse me, when they show the highlights of the St. Brown, the USC receiver, mm-hmm. the highlights are all of him blocking downfield and pushing guys out of bounds. And and Barnes, the Purdue linebacker, a tackling machine. They got a great tackling machine. And we know what they like physically, what this new regime likes physically. We're finding out what they like uh, intangibly. And they talked about, they must have said the word intangible a hundred times the last three days. 
And I think we're starting to get it. It's why, with all due respect, I don't think they were ever going to draft Micah Parsons. Um, it's why, honestly, last year they probably would not have drafted Okuda. They don't want – they want, like, uh, gritty, grinding, uh, you know, not me guys until eventually they're going to have to get a diva or two if they want a great receiver at some point down the line. Down the line. What was that, Dr. Seuss? Gritty, grinding, grimy? Gritty, grinding, grimy. Yeah, but gritty, grimy, like, gritty, grimy, you hear that and you start to think of some of the guys that that the regime brought in, too. And to me, the the difference is this: these are, like, explosive guys. And that's, to me, again, it goes to that upside. Like, okay, we see what he did, and especially – few of these cases you have guys and even some of the UDF, UDFAs they brought in who were opt-outs so we still don't know exactly where they are in that development curve individually but you see guys that hey two three years from now this guy could be something way more than what a lot of other people saw and, and I look that's in some of the same ways we talk about the Pistons rebuild I think we're going to start hearing a lot of those same things about the Lions rebuild because you've got Ian Holmes who's uh, I mean he's cut his teeth on this college scouting and he's looking at these guys, not just what they can do next year, which is the trap. I think you fall into when you're trying to save your jobs, like the Patriots crew did here the last couple of years. And instead they're looking, okay, well, say their name, say their name, say their name. When Trisha, what could this, <laughs> this guy be in a couple of years? And again, that's that to me, that's what I took out of this draft is, is the explosive, possibilities if you will speaking of names people don't probably want to hear uh going forward but you know the the draft class is reminiscent in a lot of ways to me of jared davis right you're talking about a a hyper athletic guy with with high football character and for all of his you know uh, lack of production on the field or or lack of success on the field you always thought it was going to potentially turn around because of the character and because of the athletic traits and so you don't avoid guys because one guy failed in a, in a different right. way. But if you fill your entire roster with, with Jared Davis like attributes, like, doesn't that make everybody better? I mean, you talk about competition on a practice field. It's such a big term for, for coaches. And of course, competition drives people to get better. That's in all fields, not just football. But if you've got guys that play to the bitter end of the whistle, every single snap, regardless of how tired they are, and they have these these elite physical gifts, like shouldn't that long term, if that's across your roster, translate to a better on field product on Sunday? Yeah, here's the difference. The uh the previous the Patriots game, okay, uh guys, they drafted Jared Davis in the first round. And they he wasn't suited for their defense. They were expecting big things. The Lions did well, it's not that like you can take Sewell in the first round and not have a need or anything. Davis, they misdrafted, misused, misidentified. And you watch, maybe he'll bust out a little bit with a new coaching staff. Well, and to like, not to get fixated on Jared Davis here, but he was drafted when, when Jim Caldwell was the coach. It was a different staff when he got drafted. Right, so, right, right. You know, yeah. The fit, yeah. The fit wasn't there when Matt Patricia came in with his defense. But, but the other thing too is, and we heard this about a few of the guys they drafted, certainly the instincts, you know, he's instinctive. Well, that's the uh, probably was lacking there with an athlete like Davis, but the instincts just never were there in terms of coverage, et cetera. But no, but okay. So big picture, 
you have a favorite pick in this draft in terms of what you know possibilities, et cetera? Outside of Sewell, outside of Sewell, right? Because he'd be I was just looking at that. My favorite pick in the draft. Well, I could go with the colorfully um spoken Levi who uh, say his last name. You had a day practice. Yes. But but you know who I'm oh, gonna it's not that hard. Yeah. No, I have no idea. I'm gonna go with the receiver. Amon King Brown. Well, no, no, not because I'm, weapons wojo. No, no. The guy took his SAT in three languages: <laughs> English, Spanish, and German. He, the, he could figure out the Lions playbook in the Lions history. I'm gonna go with the fourth round receiver just for value-wise. I like it the most. Justin? Yeah, it, it's it's really hard to say you're excited about defensive tackles. <laughs> it, it just is. You know, I, I think Anzarike and, and McNeil, you know, they offer interesting skill sets. Nobody's excited about an offensive tackle in terms of watching them week in, week out. I, I'm, I'm pretty – Melifon will really interest me. I mean, yeah. the, the physical gifts are immense. I mean, mm-hmm. just you don't find six-foot-two cornerbacks – that move the way he does. And I know Brad Holmes emphasized that the, the on-field production playing for Syracuse, it, it leaves plenty to be desired, right? Like there's, there's not a ton of interceptions or pass breakups. I, I think he allowed far too many completions. You're supposed to be progressing into a better uh, player statistically through your college career. And I didn't think last season was particularly great. Maybe that's why he was there at the end of the third round. But I really, I have this in, this faith in the the coaching staff they put together, particularly at that level of the defense. I, I think Aubrey Pleasant is a very good coach with a track record track record of success in New um, Los Angeles, and then Aaron Glenn, obviously in New Orleans, similar, uh, and and obviously brings the uh, respect of being a 15 year, three time All Pro. Um, if if anybody's going to get the talent, the potential out of this kid. I feel like this staff will. And so I'm, I'm really excited to see how he develops alongside Jeff Okuda for the same reason that, you know, he should also have the, the talent squeezed out right. of him. Johnny, yeah. your favorite. Let's go. Well, yeah. And I was going to say Milifamu, uh oh. for a lot of those same reasons. And I do wonder long-term, do they, do they really tinker with the idea of him as a safety at some point? I mean, actually, or do they, Bringing his brother, who's now a free agent, I think, after getting waived, who's a safety. But, um, but I also, I mean, look, I am intrigued and sort of excited to watch Panay Sewell um, because I don't think we've seen a guy quite like him in Detroit in a long time with that sort of athleticism at that size. Um, and I think fans are going to enjoy watching an offensive line work. Um, because I think he gives them a chance to do a lot of different things. I mean, you watch if you watch his tape at, at Oregon and watch all this stuff stuff they do with screens and things like that, and just he's out there second, third level, um, just clobbering cornerbacks and safeties um, because he's able to get there and, and knows what to do when he gets there. Um, I, I think that's going to be a lot of fun for fans to watch on a team that maybe won't be real good, right? Record wise, but I, I do think. Yes, he's an offensive lineman. Yes, he's a right tackle, but I think there's still going to be some some wild plays out of that guy. Okay, um, so just yeah. just to balance yeah. out, and I'm not looking for negatives at all, but 
Was there any red flags at all in any of the picks? And the only, and I, I don't think there were. I mean, I, I love what the Lions did and Brad Holmes has done. But the one thing I sort of detected with is a few of these players were didn't produce what people thought they wouldn't. Like Barnes's sack total dropped at Purdue, and Levi's sack total dropped at Washington, and 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 the receiver wasn't you know a, a hundred receptions a year guy or whatever. I don't know if that's a concern. It's just what you get in those spots in the draft. But production-wise, we're going to have to see this coaching staff get it out of it. Oh yeah, of course. You know, and um, okay. you know, and the only I, thing I, I would say, the only thing I would sorry, Justin. The only thing I would say too is, and this is just a weird year because we wouldn't maybe be saying those things about these guys because they opted. I mean, Levi opts out, um, Anzarika opts out, Sewell opts out. Uh, so you didn't see these guys play last year. So maybe the production would have been there. Now, obviously, if the production had been there, Anzarike probably goes in the first round or something like that. But right. I think that's a piece to this with all the teams across the board because there's guys that, you know, you didn't see them make the year the leap from sophomore to junior year or junior or senior year that you might have. Um, so, again, that, but that then that puts more, again, more push pressure on the coaching staff, especially in a – we still don't know exactly how soon these guys are able to get in here and actually get on the field because we don't know what the offseason looks like yet. Um, so that make which makes it even tougher for this team to get from, you know, whatever they you thought they were going to be to wherever they're going to be in terms of record and production on the field. I think it's interesting a little bit too that there's there's a lot of physical prototypes that are not hit here. I mean, we talked about it with Melifonwu being a physical prototype, but Sewell's got short arms by a tackle standard. Uh, Anzaruke is, 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 is light and, and McNeil and, and Barnes are short. So like, you know, they're, they're not beholden to these height, weight, which is, which I think is, is somewhat refreshing too. I don't know if it's a negative or positive, but uh, if you want to say a flag, it it, it certainly pops out, but I, I think it's probably a good thing that they're not, stuck on these these things that hold them back from drafting a player it's it's far more about production and attitude yeah i like the fact i do like the fact that their that their draft board i'm sure was much larger than the one in new england was this year i mean i understood you know honing in on guys that fit yours i get that but you know if you just limit it to 80 or 90 or 100 players i think you're just limiting yourself especially on day two and day three and dan campbell wasn't kidding about the kneecap biters. I mean, <laughs> literally. But I mean, yeah, they're into that type of gritty, grimy, grinding. I mean, did, didn't they even yeah. say to Sewell on the phone call? Didn't Campbell say, you can't be as nasty as dirty as you want to be? Yeah. And like, oh, okay. Sewell's probably like, dirty? I play dirty? Really? <laughs> I mean, I, I, I get what they mean, and they follow through with it in the draft. I look at the, the first draft for all of these guys, and I think that underlying all of this was in the back of their minds like okay we're setting we're not just built you know adding our first group of players and trying to replenish with guys that fit what we want to do but they're also like we're trying to send a message too with some of these picks especially the pick Sewell at the top yep biggest biggest hole remaining um in your opinion there's a lot still safety is the one that i still wonder about and that's if Mm. i criticism maybe it's day two there were some there obviously a few went right before they i mean they were they were busy they were hyper focused on getting onzarike and you know talking about trading up for him even into the first round so clearly that wasn't their 
their target, but there were guys there on, on day two that I thought they could have gone after. And that's, to me, that's the question, you know, there's lots of holes still, but that's definitely one of them. I think it's the same two holes, um, receiver and linebacker. I mean, they try, I tried that. They brought in people. Hey, who's calling me? Oh, jeez. Can you hear my phone? He took no. a phone call in a video last year. Yeah, I it did. Was Jared Davis calling you. Unbelievable. Yeah. Um, but th- those two positions, receiver and linebacker, to me, Ed, they still need, obviously, replenishing. Justin, yeah. I don't know of how much you've spent looking at UDFAs. Is there one or two that stand out as guys that – this is a weird year for those, too, because we just don't know much about, you know – what the again? What the off season is going to look like, and how is there? But it, I would think there's opportunities there on a rebuilding roster for guys to to make make, make the team, make the fit. Yeah, you know, particularly like you know that third tight end, um, you know, maybe yeah. a, a a developmental offensive lineman. You know, the guy everybody's kind of talking about is Sage Surratt. Yeah, um, he was a receiver. You know, I think I put on maybe some watch list early in the draft process as a late round guy that could have fit to them. Mm-hmm. Smart kid, Harvard yeah. uh, commit originally. Um, yeah. He's big bodied. He, his game, like if you read the scouting report, you think, oh, that maybe sounds a little bit like Galladay coming out, right? Like maybe not the fastest, but he's got a big frame. He he uses his 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 ball skills, his his tracking ability, his ability to box out to to make contested catches. Um, you know, so I I could see him fitting in as a, a developmental yeah. receiver as well. well huge production a couple of years ago, but he's another guy that I think opted out. So again, you don't know. Um, he goes and has another thousand yard season. He gets drafted. Um, otherwise, now he's a UDFA. So I about wrap it up with one question. Just one question. If a Lions fans pull a debate out of this, and there are many debates, it's pretty. I won't say unanimous. There's a few odd holdouts on the Sewell pick, um, <laughs> but just a few. But for the most part, people love it. Is the one debate going to be if Justin Fields does well? Yeah. Chicago is that the one sure. not our Aaron Donald you know update but is that the one that people might hang on to I I think that that's the obvious one right like yeah. you had the chance to get your quarterback of the future not only did you have the chance but your division rival traded up and got him you know I think that uh you know will will be something we will have to watch for years you know maybe maybe Fields flames out and uh Sewell ends up being a, a pro bowler and the Lions are vindicated in their decision but even if Sewell is a pro bowler if Fields is as well you probably made the wrong decision because quarterback remains the the most important player of the field it also remains it also remains the thing now that this division is I mean in upheaval you've got Aaron Rodgers trying to force his way out or force the GM out in Green Bay Chicago's now all in on a rookie quarterback with coach and GM maybe trying to save their job and Minnesota just drafted Kirk Cousins' possible replacement as well. I mean, Jared Goff in a year from now could be the the old man of the division at quarterback, possibly. So I, I, Fields is the one that everybody points to and say, well, I could have, should have, would have, if he turns out to be a starting quarterback who wins games. All right, guys, it's still the weekend. Uh, I believe it's about 80 degrees outside. I don't know. I haven't seen outside a whole much last three days. But I just worked a work week in three days, so uh, I've got some catching up to do. Um, <laughs> well, well, he's a day drinker. No, it's Drink Sunday and it's past noon. Okay, fair enough. Uh, I don't know if any tea times are available, but I would love to try to get out on the golf course. Um, there's a lot of coverage to check out in the Detroit News still. Yes, I, I, more I just, coming. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just filed 50 inches, which means nothing to our listeners, but I just filed a lot of words on just my, my summarizing the thoughts of the draft, some of which we touched on here, a few that we didn't. So, um, yeah, we're going to be keeping you posted for the next few days, weeks, months, up until the 2021, that's right, 2021 regular Ooh. season. We got so, two more weeks. We get to we get the schedule right. May twelfth, ten days. Win loss. Post his predictions immediately after. This is a guarantee right here. Wojo's predictions come to the Wait, yeah. no, can't. No, for oh, John. Save that video for a later day. Yeah, for John, for Bob. I'm Justin. Stick with the triggers for all your Detroit Lions coverage. Cheers. Thank <sighs> you.